Are you ready? How you doing, everybody, and welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show on this Monday night. We are live, as always, on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page. I am Craig Moffat, and of course, this show would not be complete without the production stylings of the people's producer. I am talking about, of course, with a new role as ambulance driver <laughs> for the for the Long Island area. I am talking about, of course, Chris Clem. What's up, Craig? How you doing, man? Exhausted. Exhausted. And it's been, it's just been these long days. Like, I, you know, we talked about this on the last time we had, I never had a job like this before. All my jobs have been like labor intense jobs where I only work like six hours a day. Like now, like it's just 12 hours a day and I have to be up at, I have to be leave Glen Cove at seven o'clock in the morning. So it's like a 14 hour day in general. I'm just I'm just exhausted by the time I get back. Hey man, it happens. I mean, that's just life right there. I mean, for me too, just like a lot of time. I mean, I work about I mean, I work eight hours, but lifting, delivering boxes all day, you know, restocking my car, delivering. I make about four or five trips to a truck to pick up boxes and you know, depending on the day. Today wasn't as bad as previous days, but but the holidays coming up, man, it's gonna be crazy. Oh, I can imagine. And we're still in a pandemic, so a lot of people are ordering stuff still. I mean, nobody's really, nobody shops anymore. I think the days of retail are slowly, it's dying a slow death. Oh, I think I think it is too. And it's, you know, like I, my neighbor, like every day there's a package from Amazon here. I'm just like, do these people go out at all ever? Like there's a package every day. And I asked my mom, I'm like, mom, do they go anywhere? I'm like, and she's like, I don't think so. Like just order everything online. And I'm like, I like going to a mall and getting my stuff from the store or going to the small shops where I'm at. I, I like that. I, I don't know about anyone else though. Yeah. I mean, listen, when it was safe, of course you did, yeah. you know, but not anymore. I mean, now it's just, we're, until we get, you know, you're talking about another easily five more months, you know, before we have, you know, maybe get back to some normalcy. Yeah, I know. You know, but one thing I will say is if it wasn't for the same people ordering stuff every day, I would not be efficient at my job <laughs> because now I know exactly where the house is, you know, oh. and I even met, I even become like kind of friendly with a few of the neighbors that I deliver to all the time because they're super nice people. And, you know, I see them all the time now. I mean, there were even a couple of people asking me if they could get jobs <laughs> because they were, you know, I think, I mean, I think they were more retired. But, you know, that type of stuff. So it's definitely been good. But, I mean, I come home, I'm hurting. Like, uh, my body hurts. My arms hurt. I, my hands are, like, my hands are always sore. You know, like, I don't know what it is. Like, my hands are always sore from lifting boxes all day. Yeah, I was going to say, taking in and out those boxes all day. It's, it's, it's strenuous. Yeah. All right. Well, as we said, you know, tonight, we're doing, as we said on Facebook, we're going to be doing a Strictly Jet show today. So comment below, Chris Klim will, uh, Klim's got the Facebook feed up. 
he's going to be, uh, you know, anybody's got comments, anybody's got questions, anybody just wants to rant about the team, vent about something, um, feel free. And uh, you can comment below. You can follow my show on Instagram, as always, at Moff on the Mic, as well as my Facebook page. You can follow Klim on the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah, but, no, but like, and before we get started, too, you know, one guy, com- when I put the, the idea of it out there, he was like, what makes you guys, he, well, he wasn't busting chops, he was like, what makes you guys knowledgeable or experts? I'm like, we're not experts. We're not experts at all. We're not experts. We're just fans with opinions. We're fans, but we've interviewed experts. You know, we've interviewed Jake Asman, Gordon Damer. We've interviewed Daryl Slater in the past. So we, we kind of have like a, an inside scoop of what, what's going on with the Jets, but we're not experts whatsoever. You know, we're just yeah. Jets fans just like you guys. Well, that's like, but that's like no different than like any other person that has like a, a YouTube show or whatever. They're not experts on the team. They're just, you know, they're just fans venting their frustrations out on social media. That's what we're going to do. All it really is. And I mean, I, I take a different approach to it. I will not be like one of these fans who just vents and gets frustrated about every little thing, you know, with the team. I mean, the ship has sailed at this point. They're eliminated from the playoffs again this year. And there's no reason to get pissy about it. You know, there's really no reason to get so frustrated with the way the team is playing, you know, here's it here's what you need to know right now and i don't need to tell this is not an expert opinion this is just going to be fact okay adam gase will not be the coach of this team next year everyone basically knows that and it has nothing to do with way the the way the team is playing the way the team is you know whether they respond or not although the offense has played better okay the main reason Adam Gase will not be the head coach next year is there is no way in hell this organization could sell the fan base, could sell tickets with Adam Gase returning as head coach. Yeah. That's how he is like literally the Antichrist. Yeah, because, you know, even say like, you know, we get the COVID vaccine, stadium is allowed to be full next year. And Douglas comes out, you know, Gase is the coach next year. No one's going to buy season tickets. You can have Patrick Mahomes, Julio Jones on this team, whoever you want. Fans will not come to this team if they come to watch this team if Adam Gates is the head coach. That's right. They're not, they're not going to. And they know that. The Johnsons know that. Christopher Johnson knows that. Woody Johnson, I'm sure, in, who his time is slowly up in, in, uh, as the ambassador to the UK, is up. You know, he knows that. You cannot justify bringing Adam Gase back, okay? So there's that. So every loss is, a, you know, look, I want to see the Jets get Trevor Lawrence. But I'm in a kind of a weird bind because I don't want to see the Jets go 0-16 either. I would like to try – I would like them to try to win one game or two games and then just play the hand that they're dealt. Okay. And the thing is, is that right now the offense is showing signs of life, Mm -hmm. which you didn't want to believe. Okay. And here's a crazy thing, Clem. Rashad Perriman has more touchdowns than Robbie Anderson right now. I I look, I've been liking the way three to one, three to one. 
Well, I will say, I've been liking the way Perryman's been playing. Uh, we got our first comment. Eric DeWolf commented, no top-level coach wants this job. That's, that's not true. I, I'm going to call bullshit on that right now. Here's why. First of all, <clears throat> you're not going to get the, well, define top level. Are you talking Harbaugh? Are we talking, who we talk? Dabo Swinney would never come here anyway, because he's, he's not going to come to New York when he's got a made in the shade in Clemson. So you're, you're right. But I think, but like, I think like a top level coach would want to come here. I mean, Granted, if you tell you tell the Jets, hey, you're going 0-16, but you're selling Joe Douglas's selling point for the Jets is gonna be we're gonna have the number one overall pick. We're gonna have the greatest quarterback coming out of college since Andrew Luck. There's a lot of selling points to this team. You have a Hold on. We haven't gotten there yet. We're not there yet. You can't we we're not Trevor Lawrence is not signed still and delivered to to the Jets yet because anything can happen. But here's the thing. The way this is kind of panning out right now, you want a coach that can run what can be built with the team. You need a guy that's going to be here for the long haul. And I'm not, you don't have to be flash about it. If you can land Jim Harbaugh, who am I to say that that's a bad hire? But the Jets have tons of cap space to start. You have two first round picks over the next two years. You have four first rounders in the next two years. Okay. The odds are you will wind up with Trevor Lawrence. Do you think that a coach is not going to want to work with that? Do you think a coach that knows that Trevor Lawrence is going to the, whether he goes to the jets or the Jaguars, that already makes them a, an enticing job for that reason, for that reason alone. Having a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence on your roster is going to entice coaches to come here. Well, who's the right fit for the job? You see, we don't know that right now. Clem, you, me, and Eric were talking about it last week when we did our Jeopardy segment. You mentioned Jim Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. I mentioned Matt Campbell. It's a guy that has to grow the way that Matt Rule is going to grow with Carolina, the way that Cliff Kingsbury is going to grow with Arizona. That's the kind of guy you need. It's not going to be like Dan Quinn. It's not going to be Jim Schwartz or whatever. It's not going to be a retread head coach. It's going to be a guy who's young, a guy who, again, the team is rebuilding again. They're doing, let's hope they do it the right way this time. That's going to be, it's going to be a young coach with not a lot of experience who can grow with the franchise. That's what I think it's going to be. Yes. You mentioned, I, I, you mentioned Joe Brady last week. Joe Brady makes sense. He does. Matt Campbell makes sense. I think Eric Bieniemy will take a job with a, already an established play caller there, like a signal caller. So Atlanta's a possibility because of Matt Ryan, and Houston is a possibility because of Deshaun Watson. Yeah, as much as I would love the enemy to be the head coach, realistically, it's not going to be that. Eric also commented again, you're going to have to settle for an offense coordinator, defensive coordinator, Harbaugh, and not take this job. You can't say that. 
I dis again. I disagree. I think it, I think the the attraction of the Jets' job is going to be where they pick in the draft. If they get the number one overall pick and they land Trevor Lawrence, coaches will want to come here to coach Trevor Lawrence. Coaches will not want to come here to coach Sam Darnold anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because I think the Jet fan base is already turning on him. <laughs> now they've officially turned on Sam Darnold. He hasn't played in two weeks. So it's such a like I even like I texted my buddy Mike this last week. I'm like I'm so done with Sam Darnold. Three, he's been in the league three years. He's missed three plus games each and every year. It's pitiful. It really is. But I told you, Clem. I said this a few weeks ago, and a lot of people who might be watching our show right now, or who you know, like they've never you know we they probably didn't hear us say this. I said if Joe Flacco shows competency with this offense, it will be a major indictment on Sam Darnold. And he is showing competency in this offense. Okay. Joe looks decent out there when he's playing, when he's throwing the ball. Joe Flacco threw a freaking missile to Brashad, Brashad Perriman for that touchdown yesterday. Good. Okay. And listen, Flacco, Flacco was bad in the first half, but I think that was more of the play calling or the scheme. The scheme didn't make any sense to me. Well, from what I heard is uh, Gase was calling the plays yesterday. Is that true? I didn't get to watch the game. I was working, unfortunately. He denied that he was calling the plays. He said that Loggins calls the plays and he sends them in. That's what he said. I don't know what the hell that is. That doesn't make any sense. But their game plan for the first half didn't make much sense because it was basically trying to run the football to keep uh, Joey Bosa from killing Joe Flacco in not too many words. Okay. Which is fine. I mean, give P Ryan carries and I'm okay with that, but you have to open up the passing game. You know, that this offense is predicated on the pass. That's really what it is. It's a passing, it's a passing offense. I'm not saying it's a good passing offense. I'm just saying it is a passing out offense. That's why Gase does not run the football. That's why he likes committee running backs. That's why he doesn't, he didn't want Le'Veon Bell because he doesn't want to have a he doesn't he doesn't feel like he needs that bell cow running back. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you see what happens when these guys are all on the field together now. Mims, who's been great since he came since he came back from injury. Brashad Perriman, who's has three touchdowns already since he's come back from injury. Chris Herndon finally got a touchdown. Yeah, I'm so with Chris Herndon. Right. But again, this is what they are right now. It's pretty sad that even when those guys were hurt, they couldn't figure out how to, you know, put together an offense. And now you throw on Gase. Yeah. Because if Gase is as good as he claims to be, then he should be able to work with what he has. But more importantly, if Sam Darnold is as good as he claims to be, if he's as good as everybody made him out to be, okay, he should be able to work with what he has. Yeah, 100% agree. Look, I get it last year. You could have made the excuse. All right, new offense, new head coach, new this, new that. All right, we cut him some slack last year. It's the same coordinator, same head coach, same offense you're running out there. Granted, yeah. You didn't have Perryman and Mims for most of the season. 
But a good quarterback, we've seen in the past, good quarterbacks make do with what they have. We saw it this year with Nick Mullins when the Jets, when they when the 49ers played the Jets. Nick Mullins and the 49ers torched us up and down the field, and they were playing with a bunch of second and third stringers. Good, good players make it happen. I'm not saying Nick Mullins is a good player, but it just shows the fact that you know, you if you if you can do it, you can work with what you have. You know, and that's what the 49ers did against us back in week four, whenever we played them. But this is what the Jets are right now. Okay, listen. Besides the fact that they've basically been a disaster all season, when we that's like the elephant in the room. They're just playing the young guys, and that's what you want. You want these young guys like Bryce Hall, Ashton Davis to get reps. That's why they cut Pierre Desir. They finally cut Pierre Desir because he was just a disaster. He was just an absolutely brutal cornerback. But it's giving guys like Lamar Jackson. It's giving guys like Ashton Davis and um, Bryce Hall, Bryce Huff, just to name a few. Jabari Zaniga is getting more playing time. Yeah, no, and I, I want to continue this conversation. The class is finally healthy. Yeah, no, 100%. They, and they look good. And Eric also commented again, if Lawrence is supposed to be as good as advertised and he pulls a Darnold and the Jets are in the same position as they are next year. But that's the thing. I'm going to answer that real quick. I, Lawrence is not going to be Darnold. That's the thing. Lawrence is on the same level as Andrew Luck as he was coming out of college. And potentially even better than that, you know, with – with Darnold coming out of college, there was a bunch of question marks around Darnold. Like, oh, can he do this? Can he do that? Can he do this? Can he do that? Lawrence, he was day one ready to go at Clemson. He was a true freshman winning a national championship for the best team in college football. But I think that Darnold, the thing about Darnold is he just still makes the same mistakes. And, and that could just be coaching. It could, But I also think it's one of those things where it's frustrating that a third year quarterback is still making the same types of mistakes. Yeah. Okay. And the thing is that I think it's, it, listen, Gase can coach him, whatever, but Darnold has to also figure it out too. And Darnold has to know that he's got to be better. Like, here's the thing about Darnold that bothers me. And I said this last week, when all this talk about Trevor Lawrence is going on, and it's circulating around New York that, you know, the Jets are going to take Trevor Lawrence a number one overall pick. My attitude is, is that I would use that as motivation to basically say, you know what? I'm going to prove to this organization that I can be the one that leads this team. Uh-huh. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to work with these guys and see what I can, you know, see what I can do. Sometimes it is about making chicken salad out of chicken shit. That's just what it is, man. That's life in the NFL. That is life in the NFL today. Guys are getting hurt left and right. Look at a team like the New Orleans Saints. Michael Thomas got hurt. He was their all, you know, their best player next to Kamara. They became pretty one-dimensional once Michael Thomas was injured. But they still figured out a way to score points. I mean, whether it was Kamara, whether it was um, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, I mean, They figured out ways. Good coaches figure out ways. Gase is not a good coach, of course. But I just think that Sam is not at this point. Number one, I think he just needs a fresh start somewhere else. Number two, I think it's a simple situation of he doesn't make the guys around him better. 
And that's what frustrates me about Sam. This Trevor Lawrence stuff should be using, he should be using this as a fire under his ass and saying, you know what? I want to stay in New York. I want to, I want to prove to this team that I can be the one lead. They don't fucking need Trevor Lawrence. They've got me. I'm going to, you know, yeah, never did it. And he still hasn't done it. I mean, he shows you flashes of being a good quarterback, but it's just not enough. Yeah, like, it's just too inconsistent. Two opposite ends of the spectrum. Because you'll see him throw throw amazing passes to Braxton Berrios or Jamison Crowder, but then he'll you'll also see him throw it to no one, like when there's no one around him, and the other team goes for a pick six. It's like he throws terrible picks. He misses wide open receivers. He takes terrible sacks. Yeah. You know, he, I mean, he takes bad sacks sometimes at the worst possible time. Yeah. Okay. For those listening. But again, I'm not, I'm not killing the guy because listen, I do think the Jets have failed him to an extent. I think the Jets never really built a, you know, talented, you know, the most talented team they should have around him. Okay. But in the same sense, sometimes you do have to work with what you have. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out a way to make these guys better as the quarterback you know we go on you know i talk about tom brady a lot it never mattered who was on the new england patriots receiving group tom brady always found a way to get them the ball yeah and i and i look i know comparing sam donald to tom brady is not the like it's like you got the greatest quarterback of all time and then tom oh it's like but, that, but that's the thing though you know you if you we drafted sam third overall to be our next franchise quarterback behind joe namath you know we had high expectations for this guy. So, yeah, we do. I think as Jet fans, we expect him to be this winning quarterback, to make the guys around him better, you know? And we haven't seen that yet, unfortunately. And we're not Darnold haters for those listening. We actually love Sam Darnold here. Listen, but- I, do, do, do we really – right now the team has so many holes. Do we really want to replace a new – we have to get another quarterback? I mean, like, do we really need a – you know – the last thing I want to see is another quarter, like another quarterback after a few years. Yeah. But Trevor Lawrence is that can't miss player. Exactly. You can't miss because because you know all the Jet fans are going to be saying we pass. Say we do pass up Sam Donald and we go uh, Sewell or Parsons or Chase with the first overall pick, which they, they won't. But which they won't exactly. But say that we pass up Trevor Lawrence and we see Trevor Lawrence becoming the next Tom Brady, the next Peyton Manning, we're going to be like. Oh, well, we could have had him just like we when we drafted Ken O'Brien over Dan Marino. We could have had it. What if Eric commented, what if Lawrence pulls an Elway or an Eli? You cross that bridge when you get to it. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I know it sounds like kind of ridiculous, but I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see it happening either. Because to be honest, I could see him pulling that shit with Jacksonville. I don't necessarily think he would do it in New York because I think he would want the bright lights of New York City. The marketing capabilities are through the roof. It is. No, it's like he's, and the thing is, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to want to go. I mean, he'll go wherever, but I think he'd rather go to New York than go to Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville, what is in Jacksonville? They don't even really have much of a fan base there. And the thing is, you don't think in New York that people could be buying Trevor Lawrence jerseys up the ass and buying season tickets to go see Trevor Lawrence play every Sunday. Yeah. No, it'd be like, I can't see a situation where, I mean, unless it was just like, but that's the, here's the thing though. This is where Joe Douglas has to get out in front of that. Mm-hmm. If he has a number one overall pick when the season is over, when all is said and done, 
and he knows he wants to draft Trevor Lawrence, then he needs to go to Trevor Lawrence and basically say, listen, we have every intention of making you the number one pick. We're going to build an offense around you. We're going to try to bring in, we're going to try to sign some free agent wide, good free agent wide receivers. You know, we're going to have a new coach, but we need to know if you're all in on New York. Because that way, if he knows that, if he knows that Trevor Lawrence is not, then he could start figuring out trade talks. Mm-hmm. Or he could sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to draft Justin Fields. Uh, and, that, that, and that was going to be my next comment, too, you know, because I was talking about this over the weekend with some friends. And they were just like, what if the Jets don't get the first overall pick and they get the second overall pick? I was like, honestly, you I draft Justin Fields. I, was like, I have no problem drafting Justin Fields. I have no oh, problem. but wait a minute. He didn't have a good game against Indiana on Saturday. That's so now everybody's off the Justin Fields bandwagon. People have bad games every now and again. It happens. It happens. But I don't expect Justin Fields to be a bad quarterback at all in the NFL. And I asked my buddy, who's a diehard Ohio State fan, I'm like, I was like, Mike, what are we going to, if the Jets draft Justin Fields, what are we going to get from Justin Fields? I was like, give me an NFL comparison. And he was like, bigger Kyler Murray. And I was like, I can deal with that. I like that. I, I, I would love that. Now listen, the bottom line is if the Jets win a game, the fan base is going to get all pissy because they think it's going to lose out on Trevor Lawrence. I think the Jets are not going to go 0-16. I think they're going to find a way to win a game. I really do. This offense is starting to click. That's the sad part about it. It's starting to click. I mean, people can laugh about it all they want, but – Joe Flacco has, I mean, I know Joe Flacco didn't have a great first half against the Chargers, but he turned it on in the second half. Played really well in the second half. I mean, look, we got six games left on the season. Those six games include the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Browns, and the Patriots. The only win I could potentially see is, is the Patriots. No, I could see them beating the Browns. I think they could beat the Browns. No, man. The Browns, the offense is too good. The offense is too that good. That offense is too good. Were we not watching the same game yesterday? Who that? Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are so good. Again, I think that I think they, they're gonna surprise. I'm telling you, they're going to surprise. Listen, last year when the Jets were what, 0 and 4, and they played Dallas and they basically smoked Dallas. Oh, I remember that. Remember that? The 94-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. I mean. I'm just saying anything's possible. And I, and look, I really want Trevor Lawrence, but I also don't want to see the team go 0 16. Like, I want to see a victory this year. I can live with a 1 15 record if it gets me number one or number two overall. And the thing is, it's not the end of the world if they don't get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I understand, like, yes, he's a once in a generational quarterback. But it's like at the same time, I don't necessarily think it's like the end of the world. They will figure out another alternative. Yeah, and Eric also commented again, Lawrence and his people are going to make sure that there is a solid front line and a coaching staff that works with his strengths. It's a business. He will make his money, but if New York drops Darnold after his failures, then they may think this is not worthy of his career. No reason to be Archie Manning 2.0. I mean, again, I just think that he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to do that, though. I I don't think so either. And Like, like if you were the number one overall pick in the draft and you were going to New York, see, this is, again, this is a growing problem. This is what I always used to say about the NBA, okay? The minute these guys face a little bit of adversity, they want out. They're not happy, okay? That's why all the James Harden talk is going around with Houston. 
or Russell Westbrook wants out. The latest talk that made me laugh was John Wall wants a trade out of Washington. He hasn't played in two years. And this guy wants, he wants to be traded. For what? But you see, that's the problem. The minute these guys face a little bit of adversity in the NBA, they don't want, they don't, they can't deal with it. They're not leaders. They're followers. They're all followers. To me, Trevor Lawrence seems like that leader. Justin Fields seems like a leader. Yeah, and look, you know, you, we, so I think that they want that. They want the challenge of coming to New York and winning here. Really? And again, next year, Adam Gase is not going to be the coach. This whole coaching staff is gone. Yeah, exactly. The whole the whole staff is gone, and you know, like I've been looking at like I know you don't like mock drafts, but I re- I've been looking at mock drafts early on, and I really think with our first three picks in this draft, this upcoming draft, we have to go three offense. It has to be quarterback, tight end, uh, guard, or guard tight end, whatever the combination is. And you know, you know, Eric mentioned you know he wants to build an uh, uh, a strong offensive line for them. You have a you have, a, you have the honestly their offensive line has been better. I mean, they've been they've been a lot better. Beckton manhandled Bosa yesterday. Beckton is to the good. point where Joey Bosa wound up going to face off against Chuma Adoga because Fant had gotten hurt yesterday. Ooh. But Chuma Adoga because he couldn't beat Makai. Makai Beckton was was beating the shit out of him. Yeah, I mean, look, it's this is this offensive line isn't terrible. I definitely think they'll draft a guard, whether that's Creed Humphrey. He only gave up one sack yesterday. I mean, that's not a bad – that's a very strong performance in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, look, I think the guards are questionable, but you have two solid tackles in Becton and Fan. Fan's here for next year, too. And we just gave McGovern an extension. Well, keep in mind, let, let's hold off on that because we don't know the extent of Fan's injury. That's true. Fan had a pretty – supposedly it was it was probably the most serious out of all the guys that got hurt yesterday. But I think I think if the Jets, they can draft a guy like Creed Humphrey, uh, Trey Smith, out of Tennessee or Josh Myers out of Ohio State. Look, th- those are solid pieces to add to your offensive line right there. And again, that's just something to build with. You know, you get a young core of offensive help like like McGovern, like Becton, like Fan. You you have this offensive line grow with Trevor Lawrence, you know? And yeah, you know, you don't have a real number one wide receiver right now. Perriman's look good, but I don't think Perriman will be back next year. I think the Jets... Honestly, are- I would bring him back, but he would not be my number one, but I would bring him back. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate bringing them back. I, mean, I, I think that the Jets have to start thinking big picture, especially with all the cap space they're going to have. I don't know why I keep getting in my head, but I think the guy that's coming here is Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I don't know why I think that. I just do. Now, see, I, I'm dead set on the Jets signing Allen Robinson. He may not get to free agency. I think the Bears are going to franchise him. I no. really think the Bears are going to franchise him. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that, but. I think if he does get the free agency, Allen Robinson has to be. Or there. don't sleep on Chris Godwin. I wouldn't. Oh, I would love. They can't afford him. They can't afford him right now. They've paid. They, you know, they just gave Mike Evans a big deal. They, they're paying Tom Brady. I don't know if they're going to be able to afford Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, be you know, and if it, and if they decide to bring Antonio Brown back next year, you know, Chris Godwin becomes a bit expendable in my opinion. And, you know, they know that a team is going to overpay for him, you know, and again, the Jets are going to be in a position where they have to overpay for guys. That's just the nature of the beast. If you want people to come to a team that's one in 15, oh, and 16 or whatever, you're going to have to overpay for these guys. You're going to have to give them money. You may not necessarily be inclined to give them, but I think you have to, you know, the plan is going to be to build an offense around Trevor Lawrence. 
I don't think, you know, this year, I think we kind of knew it was going to be a bit of a wash. I think that's why he only gave guys like Prashad Perriman a one-year deal and Pierre Desir a one-year deal. And, you know, most of the offensive linemen like Van Roten and Fant only have one year of guaranteed money. Yeah, they were proven deals. This because at the, end of the, at the end of the day, Douglas's plan is to build this through the draft. But you still have to feel the team at the, at the same time. So that's why he gave a lot of these guys very low risk. I think the biggest deal he gave was Connor McGovern. Connor McGovern got like two, I think he has guaranteed two years. Yeah, and he just got an extension. That's Connor McDermott, not Connor McGovern. Oh, never mind. Okay. But I'm saying at the same time, you have to put a team on the field every Sunday. You're not going to forfeit every game just to let, you know, just because you want to build it to the draft. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, Right now, Makai Becton looks like a beast, although I get concerned with Becton because he's a little injury-prone this year. Mims, since he's come back from injury, has been a stud, in my opinion. I just think they got to figure out a way to get him the ball more in the second half. You know, Zuniga, you're just kind of feeling out right now. He just came back a week ago, and, you know, now they're going to start getting him more reps. I think P. Ryan has shown some flashes of being a good running back. I don't know if he's like a – running back number one type of thing. I think he'll work better in a platoon with another young running back. But he shows some good burst, you know, especially when he scored that touchdown in the beginning of the game on Sunday. Bryce Hall, I think, has potential to be a very good corner. Yeah, he didn't look terrible. He looked terrible in in his first game as a starter. Ashton Davis, I think, has played better. And then, of course, you have Braden Mann, who's the best, you know, arguably one of the best punters in the league right now. And I know we're, we, we can joke about that, but you need a punter. Yeah. Mark you know? is fucking terrible. <laughs> did, I ever tell you, did I ever tell you my friend's theory on the punter? No. My friend believes that the punter secretly wishes for his team to be bad so he can play more. <laughs> That's his punter theory. I doubt that, honestly. It's like... If you're a punter for a bad team, it's like you'll get a lot of playing time, which is what you want. You know, like guys like Shane Leckler. Look at how many years Shane Leckler was in the NFL. One of the best punters in the, in the NFL history. And like, you know, he was on a lot of bad Raider teams. And like, so uh, to me, it just totally makes, so Braden Mann has got to be thrilled to go out there six times a game. You that know? Is, that is, no, it makes sense, honestly. I mean, it's easy money if you just got a good leg. Yeah, look but at right now, but then again, now I want to see guys like, for example, you know, one guy we talked about at the beginning of the season, Lawrence Cager. If he's healthy, I want to see him activated. I want to see him out there on the field. Bryce Huff is getting more looks. You know, John Franklin Myers, a guy they picked up off of waivers, has been a pretty decent rotational defensive lineman. And guys like Foley Fatukazi have been really good. Quinn Williams has had a much better season compared to last year. These are the, this is the youth right here. This is what you want. Okay, you want to see your young players out there getting reps, getting better. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's going to be what it is right now for the rest of the season. And you know, next year you have two, you have two ones, you have two threes. I think you have two fives. I mean, don't sleep on the fact that the Jets, depending on where that Seattle pick is, they may trade out of the first round. It's very possible and yeah. trade back into the second round. No, it is very possible. And like I said, like I've been doing mock drafts left and right and everything like that. And I really, I'm really dead set on, you know, if we do go Lawrence 
with the first overall pick, which we probably will if we get it. We gotta build. We gotta go mainly offense in this draft. You know whether it's draft because we, we need a tight end. We need another guard to help protect him. We need a we need a running back. We have we need we have all these holes, and you can get a decent amount. I think okay. Let me just stop you right there. I agree with you. You can't use three straight picks on offense. I just don't see it. I, the Jets have never done that. If you're gonna draft Trevor Lawrence. I would say, depending on how the draft falls and depending on where Seattle's pick winds up, Seattle's been very shaky to me. I know they won in Arizona, you know, they beat Arizona the other night, but I don't know if they're as strong of a team, you know, with that defense, which is just atrocious. If Creed Humphrey's available, mm-hmm. yes, I would definitely draft Creed Humphrey. No doubt in my mind, I would draft Creed Humphrey. Depending on where you pick, you know, if you're at the top of the second round and a good wide receiver is available, yeah, I'd probably take another wide receiver. However, if the the Jets intend to spend money at that position, then it may not necessarily be a necessity at that point. Plus, you got to keep an eye on something, too. There are going to be a lot of teams that are going to be making a lot of cuts because they're over the salary. The Saints are, like, ridiculously over the salary cap. Well, well, ridiculously over. Obviously, just to go off that point real quick, Michael Thomas might be a, a hot commodity this offseason for a trade. He could. He could very well be. And I mean, again, I think they're going to exhaust every avenue. And I listen, Douglas cannot have a similar offseason that he had this year. He can't just go and sign like a Brashad Perriman and just say, okay, I'm good. You know, he's got to make a big splash besides the obvious splash of getting Trevor Lawrence. He's got to make a big splash. And the thing is, again, you know, you have receiving core for free agency is very strong. You can build the offensive line. You could try to find a pass rusher. I mean, maybe a guy like Ngakwe, maybe a guy like Matt Judon, still playing on the franchise tag. I am convinced that Joe Douglas's first major acquisition is going to be Joe Tooney. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be Joe Tooney. I wouldn't hate that because, like I said, you know, you get you get Joe Tooney, and then you draft a, like a Creed Humphrey, a Chase Smith. There's your offensive line. It's done. You don't even have to worry about it because you have backups. You have you have your starters. That's and that's a solid old line from left to right. That's a good old line. You know, and next year you're going into a year where you're going to have Mims and Crowder. Mm-hmm. You might have Perryman back. You might decide to sign. Perryman will be one of those guys that signs late, though. He's not going to be like a first-day sign. Yeah. He'll sign late. And then you try to add another receiver through free agency. I mean, the Jets are going to have a lot of money. And if they cut guys, they're going to have close to $100 million under the cap. I mean, you could, you could go crazy with that kind of money. But yeah. Douglas is going to do a little differently than McCagnan did. McCagnan just gave guys a lot of deals that hemorrhaged our cap for a while. I think Douglas is going to give those same types of deals, but I think he's going to make sure he has flexibility. Mm-hmm. He's not going to make, he's not going to bury this team in bad contracts for like two years. But the question among Jet fans will be, if we don't get Trevor Lawrence, is Justin Fields a good consolation prize? Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced, yes, it is. Because, you know, say, you know, 
it even is the fact that you know when Eric brought it up in the comments uh, comments before, you know what if he what if Lawrence does pull an Elway or an Eli? All right, so then we fleece the Jaguars for their picks. You know, you get their other second round, you get their other first round pick, you swap seconds, you get Justin Fields, and again you build through the draft. That's what you do, and I I have no problems with. Justin Fields as our potential starting quarterback next year either. I have no problems with that. Granted, yeah. Would I have wanted Lawrence? Absolutely. I would absolutely want Lawrence. Am I going to be mad if we draft Justin Fields at the second overall pick or if if Lawrence doesn't want to come here? No, I don't mind it at all because Justin Fields is a good quarterback. But the new coach is also going to be, is going to sit there. We talked, we said this before. The new head coach of the Jets is going to decide Sam Darnold's fate. He's going to decide if he can fix him, if he has the time to fix him, the patience to fix him, okay? Or if he knows he's got a top two pick, let's say, and Lawrence and Fields are the two quarterbacks, he just basically says, no, I want to work with my own guy. No disrespect to Sam. I think he's a good player, but I want to work with my own guy. And 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 the thing is right now, if the Jets want to hire a good coach, they're going to have to cave in on a lot of demands. Okay. If Matt Campbell wants to bring in his own staff, you let him bring in his own staff. You don't sit there and start telling him who to hire. Okay. Cause obviously that hasn't really worked when the jet, when the jets get involved and you know, that's why they didn't hire Matt rule. And I don't know if Matt rule would have been any better, but Matt Rule wanted to pick his own staff that he felt comfortable with, and the Jets basically said no. Yeah. If you want to bring in a guy like a Matt Campbell, you want to pluck those guys out of college, those guys have all the leverage. You have no leverage. Mm-hmm. Right now, you don't have a lot to sell them on. You have to tell them, we're going to let you bring in your own guys. You decide who you want to coach. You decide who you feel comfortable with. We'll make it happen. We're going to have the number one overall pick. You know we're going to have Trevor Lawrence. We have a lot of cap space. You give us some ideas of who you like at receiver, who you like here and there. Yeah, it can't be just, oh, I'm going to spend, I'm going to buy this guy just because he's the best player. Look, I get it a few years ago with McKagan. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell was the, I love Le'Veon. I love the signing of Le'Veon Bell. I'm not going to hate on the signing. But did it turn out in our favor? No. It just, and it turns out that we just gave him money for no reason. Same thing with Tremaine Johnson. Yeah, we needed a cornerback. Yeah, I don't regret the signing. But again, it turned out to be not as good just because he was the best. But that was the downfall of Mike McCagden. Mike McCagden didn't know how to build an offensive line. He didn't believe in building an offensive line. He just thought if you bring in a bunch of flashy players, the rest will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And that's why the offensive line stunk. And that's why in many ways Le'Veon Bell stunk. Yeah. You know, Le'Veon Bell was not a great Jet. He's not a great player. He wasn't a great player for the Jets. But a lot of it can be attributed to the fact that McCagnan did not build a line around him. Yeah. It's, and look, I, I feel bad for Le'Veon because I love Le'Veon signing. I did. But yeah, he did not build. And I've been saying for years, for years, it's probably since 2013, I was like, we got we to gotta draft an offensive lineman. And we failed to address the offensive lineman the offensive lineman position since we drafted Nick Mangold and DeBrickishoff Ferguson in 2006. This is the point. At the end of the day, my thing on Sam Darnold is plain and simple. 
I feel when you're drafted number three overall, and all we heard the year leading up to that draft was, oh, the Jets have to suck for Sam. You know, this is how good this kid's going to be. I read it in every article, whether it was Maida, whether it was Brian Costello, whether it was Samini, they all said it. The Jets have to suck for Sam and, you know, they won and now they're not going to get Sam Darnold and all that stuff. When you come into a draft with those kind of expectations, you better be the second coming of Joe Montana. Okay. And Sam, to me, has shown flashes of being a good quarterback, but it's simply not enough to move forward into 2021 and beyond with him under center. No, I 100% agree with you. Look, we we thought that, you know, drafting Sam Donald, he was the second coming of Joe Namath. Broadway Sam, the Sam Chives. We had all these nicknames for Sam ready to go. And I, I was so I was so on board with Sam. I'm like, yes, we got him. This is our guy since Joe Namath. Oh, but my I'm God. Tired, but what I got tired of after a while were the excuses. Jet fans were making excuses for this guy up and down. And it was getting tiresome to listen to. Okay? He may not have the best offensive line, but when he's throwing shitty interceptions, that's not the offensive line's fault. That's Sam Darnold's fault. When Sam Darnold can't hit open receivers, that is Sam Darnold's fault. That is not the offensive line's fault. That is not Adam Gase's fault. Yeah. That is Sam Darnold's fault. And I don't see any, literally no leadership qualities in Sam Darnold. I don't see a guy that wants to take the bull by the horns and just say, you know what? I'm going to lead this team. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure that we, you know, I put them in the best position to win. Yeah, exactly. You want to see a good, uh, good rookie that does that. Now it was Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow commands that offense. He's a captain of that. He come, he is a leader on that offense. And you can see that. Yeah. Maybe the Bengals don't have it in the win column, but they are very competitive in these games. He's making Tyler Boyd look like a, a really good wide receiver. He's making T. Higgins have a really good rookie year. Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard look like a great, like a good, look like a good dual, a dual running back combination. It's, and it's just Joe Burrow. He's making these players around him a lot better. And you can see as that. As crazy as this sounds, Clem, here's the problem I have, okay? With, again, with Darnold. It's just this notion that Listen, let's call a spade a spade. You know he's reading the fan blogs. Oh, yeah. He reads the articles. And what do those articles all say, Clem? They all say the same shit. He doesn't have, you know, the weapons. It's, you know, Gase hasn't really built him up. He can use that now as a crutch. He can use that as an excuse now. I don't see Sam trying to get better. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like, I work at a job where I deliver boxes all day. I deliver packages to everybody. Okay. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I find ways, I try to figure out ways to make myself faster every day so I can try to get it done quicker. I don't see that with Sam. I just kind of see him like, meh, rolling 10. Who cares? He has the same attitude that like Todd Bowles had when he was here. You know, I just don't see that like, okay, we're only down 10. 
let's get out there and let's, you know, let's beat the piss out of these guys and whatever. And again, you just see the same brain dead decisions. Yeah. And in Sam's defense, you know, he doesn't have the all pro, but we, we shouldn't have to put a fucking all pro receiver at every position. So Sam Darnold can feel better about himself and feel confident going into a game. Yeah. Okay? Sometimes you are going to have to work with the Jeff Smiths and the Vincent Smiths of the world, and you're going to have to figure out how to get them the ball. You're, okay? absolutely, right. you're absolutely right. Look, you want to compare it to when San, uh, Mark Sanchez was here. You know, the thing with Mark Sanchez was, yeah, he may have not been the best quarterback, but he was a leader. You know, he was, he commanded that offense. He commanded the locker room, you know, and you saw it even a lot of times too. How many, you, you, there were a bunch of times where Sam Donald had a bunch of game winning drives for the Jets in some great games. You know, he led the Jets to two NFC, uh, to, to do AFC championship games. And, you know, even when Sanchez was, you know, on the, the back end of his Jets career, you know, who wasn't making those plays? You know, people weren't making excuses for Mark Sanchez. No, they were throwing Sanchez right under the bus. Oh, he stinks. He can't do this. He can't do that. Well, think about it. Now everybody's turning on Sam. All the people that love Sam now want them to get Trevor Lawrence. Now they are. Okay. All the people that were complaining about Sam, you know, oh, Sam doesn't doesn't have this. Sam doesn't have that. Now I've said everybody wants Trevor Lawrence. Okay. And the thing is, is like for weeks, all I heard was, oh, well, Sam doesn't have the weapons. I feel so bad for him and everything. Why do you feel bad for him? He's a multi-million dollar quarterback who should be playing better. You can go on and on about how the Jets ruined him. And, and listen, I, I don't disagree that the Jets haven't done right by him, but I'm not going to sit here and say they've completely ruined the guy. Yeah. Okay. Is it the Jets' fault that he got mono last year and missed three games? No, he was out there slutting it up. Like, come on. Exactly. Okay. He was calming the high schools. Right. But again, it's just like, I don't see the team. But then it became this. Well, you know, last year he had Robbie Anderson. And, and I'm like, see what I fucking mean? It's always an excuse with the fan base. They just always, when they like somebody that much, they're constantly making excuses for them. And that, like, look, I like Sam Donald. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate Sam Donald. I don't, but like, when, and we've talked about this time and time again, when is it on him? You know, you can't keep making excuses for a guy. Like when people were saying, oh, it's Robbie Anderson. You can't tell, you Jet fans cannot tell me that Robbie Anderson was that crucial in this offense that he's the reason that the Jets are 0-16 this year and have one of the worst offenses in the NFL. No, it's not. Because right now, personally, Bashar Perriman looks pretty damn good. And so does Denzel Mims. Yeah. So, Hold on one second, okay? This is what I'm talking about with, with Robbie Anderson, okay? He has not had a 100-yard game since... October 11th, okay? About a month, a little over a month. A little over a month. Here are the latest, these are the latest stats for Robbie Anderson over the past, since those games, ready? Against Detroit on Sunday, seven catches for 46 yards. Against Tampa Bay, four catches, 21 yards. At Kansas City, nine catches, 63 yards. Versus Atlanta, five catches, 48 yards. At New Orleans, six for 74. Versus Chicago, four for 77. Okay? These are exactly the same stats he had when he was on the Jets. Yeah, exactly. I haven't seen anything that's like, yeah, you know what? In hindsight, having Robbie Anderson would have definitely made the receiving core better. I'm not saying it wasn't. No but, but again, 
right now, it sounds like, I'm not saying Robbie Anderson is being phased out of the offense, but he's not exactly a focal point of it either. Because no. it looks like it's going more to DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and Mike Davis. And when they get Christian McCaffrey back, I mean, who knows? Yeah. These are exactly the same type of games he was having with the Jets. Yeah. And he even- had a big game at October 11th, eight catches, 112 yards. He has not had a touchdown since week one. And even that touchdown was a bit fluky because the Raiders totally blew coverage. If you watch the game, they totally yeah. blew that coverage. But these are exactly the type of games this guy was having on the Jets. So I don't see how Robbie Anderson is this much of a difference maker for any team, let alone New York. And since Brashad Perriman has come back, you can argue Brashad Perriman has been better. The guy has three touchdowns already in what, two weeks, three weeks? And he's been, he has been. No, back. he's been great. And here's the best part. They're not fluky touchdowns either. They're basically sending him on fly patterns. He's catching 40-yard bombs. That throw that Flacco threw was perfect to Brashad Perriman. Yeah, Perriman's looked great since his return. But again, yeah, even if you look at the stats last year, I remember I was arguing with a guy left and right about Ron B. Anderson on Facebook, in one of the Facebook groups. Um, you look at Sam, Robbie Anderson wasn't even Sam Donald's favorite target last year. It was Jamison Crowder, Le'Veon Bell, and then Robbie Anderson. It's like, come on, you can't, you can't say. Like I'm not saying Robbie Anderson's not a talented receiver. He's a good yeah, receiver, but he's not an elite receiver. And we're going all crazy. Like, you know, I've read some, I forgot what Jet Page it was. It was like, oh, he's having a career renaissance. What the fuck are you talking about? I mean, are, are you like, are, are, we must not be watching the same same games because what is a career renaissance? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was always an 800-yard receiver. Yeah. Like, he was never a 1,000-yard receiver when he was with the Jets. Fair enough. He'll probably break a 1,000 yards this year because I highly doubt he's not going to. Okay? My point is, everybody made a big deal about Robbie Anderson and he's really come crashing down to earth. Yeah. Like, look, I, like, I, when the Jets didn't sign Robbie Anderson back, I was like, damn, I really wish we did. Because I like Robbie Anderson. He's my favorite player. But, when I, but I like to look at things in a realistic standpoint when it comes to my teams. And realistically, you looked at his stats with Sam Donald. He was highly inconsistent. He never got over 800 yards with Sam. And I'm like, I don't hate it. And signing Rashad Perryman was a high-risk, high-reward kind of – well, it was a high-risk, high-reward kind of deal. Yeah, we knew he was injury-prone. But if he stayed healthy, he could potentially be a 900-yard receiver with the Jets because he had – in what was it, like 10 games last year, he had 500 yards? I'll take that deal. I'll take that risk no matter what. To, to save the Jets $2 million? Sure, I don't mind it. Am I sad to see you go? Absolutely, Robbie Anderson. But good luck with, good luck with the Panthers. See, I would just like to say that the views and opinions expressed on this show are just merely our opinions and they don't, we don't rewrite the books. We don't, you know, they're just here more for enjoyment and entertainment, but these are just our opinions. People are free to disagree with us. People are free to, you know, whatever. You know, we just agree to disagree at the end of the day. Yeah. 
I personally think that Robbie Anderson is a good receiver, not an elite receiver. And I'm tired of making excuses for Sam Darnold. Yeah. And okay. even- Sam Darnold should not be this terrible. Like he yeah. should not. I'm sorry. You should. I don't care who's lining up on the outside. He should not be this bad. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely 110% right. So I thought they played really well in the second half of the game yesterday. I thought that the fact that they made a comeback and actually had the Chargers on the verge of another collapse was would have been just – like it was funny. I think, I think Connor Hughes had tweeted it. He wrote, if Anthony Lynn – if the Chargers have another choke job to an 0-9 team, that is a fireable offense. <laughs> like, and he's not wrong. He's 100% right. No, I know, I know we're talking Jets here, but the Chargers, I mean, geez, man, they they need a real head coach in there because Justin Herbert looks like he's going to be the real deal. Like, he looks really good. Justin he's Herbert. been good. I mean, listen, I, I mean, listen, let's, the Jets also, I mean, he was also throwing against a bunch of rookie, rookie corners. So Keenan Allen had his way with those guys. Like, oh, yeah. 16 catches, 145 yards. I mean, come on. I mean, that's just, that's a monster, monster game against two rookie corners. But I like what I'm seeing out of the offense moving forward. The only thing I would say is just give P. Ryan more carries. Yeah, we got it. Because I, well, he, I mean, I saw Gore had more carries than, uh, than P. Ryan. He feels committed to playing Gore. He's not going to sit Gore on the bench. I don't, listen, I don't, dis, I don't necessarily disagree with it. But there's got to be a happy medium. And if you're trying to get LaMichael Pirine more involved, he needs to play more. Figure out a way to keep them both on the field. Line up LaMichael Pirine in the slot or something like that. Yeah, Gore, Gore rushed it for 15 times. Pirine did eight. And what's crazy, again, is Joe Flacco has played well. I think he's played okay. I mean, he threw that pick six, which, you know, in hindsight could have been the turning point of the game. But he rallied the team. And that's what you want to see. And if you notice that the Jets are going more vertical now with their passing, mm-hmm. now that all three of the receivers are healthy, now it shouldn't come to that. You should find a way to, to throw deep down the field, even if you don't have Brashad Perriman in the lineup or Denzel Mims. Yeah. Okay. And I think these last few weeks are going to be a kind of an audition for Chris Herndon. Has Chris Herndon, is it possible that Chris Herndon has turned the corner? And maybe we'll play more consistently as the rest of the season goes on. Look, I think no matter what, the Jets are moving on from Herndon, whether he wants to be the backup or not. Remember, he's still on his rookie deal. I don't feel like you got to get rid of him right now. I don't think you really have to. I mean, yeah, I would say you signed Ryan Griffin and you signed Chris Herndon. Okay? You have to find a way to get these guys more involved. I, I'm not I, wasting. I don't want to waste a high for, or one of my like my low first round pick or one of my second round picks on a friggin' tight end. I, I I agree with you, but I think that you know it's too long gone with Herndon at this point. Like he he stinks. He, he's just flat out bad. Like he's not even like entertainably good. Like the guy can't catch. The guy couldn't catch water if he fell out of a boat. Like it's he's just really bad. Granted, yet yeah. will he be on the team next year? Maybe he'll probably be the backup, but I think the Jets do use either their first round pick, their second first round pick, or their second round 
to get a guy like Kyle Pitts or uh, the tight or uh, Jordan Brevin from Miami or uh, Kyle something from or Pat uh, something from Penn Yeah, I can't pronounce that name. That's your no. You got to try. <laughs> Just like I teach my daughter how to like you know sound out words. <laughs> you got to you got to try. <laughs> You should just have her. Uh, what's this word? It's my last name. Just have her. Pat, you know. Pat F. We'll just call him that. Okay. Yeah, him. I think we get. I think we draft one of those guys. I mean, again, you you can't take much out of the game because, to be honest, we don't even know how serious the Jets are taking the rest of the season. How bad do they want Trevor Lawrence? And as the as the weeks get closer to the end of the season, it's going to be a little bit nerve wracking. Because they have to play every Sunday and they never know who they're going to run into. Are they going to run into a Raider team that just doesn't show up that day? Are they going to run into a Dolphins team that doesn't show up? You you just never know, man. You got to be prepared for a win. Like I'm dead serious. No, I agree with you. You can't write off every game as an automatic loss because it's just not, it's not feasible. But the way this offense is kind of clicking right now, I really think they're going to pull a win out somewhere. I don't think they're going to go 0-16. I don't know. I really think they are. And Jet fans, when it does happen, I can guarantee you, you will all be miserable. You will all be miserable. I I believe you enjoy the misery. Look, I, I, I... I'm gonna be upset that we won't get Trevor Lawrence, but I'll be happy. You can't say that though. You you don't know if they're not gonna get Trevor Lawrence or not. You you still don't know. That's true. That's true. I mean, Listen, for all we know, the Jags could pull a win out of their ass when you least expect it. And trust me, if I if I was Trevor Lawrence and I had my choice of going to New York or Jacksonville, I'm gonna go to New York. Why would I want to go? Why would I go play in Jacksonville? Well, that and that was just about. I was just about. This, I just thought of this. Say the Jaguars get the first overall pick and the Jets have the second. What if Trevor Lawrence pulls an Eli or Elway on the Jaguars? And he's like, no, screw you guys. I want to go play for the Jets. Do the Jets end up fleecing that second-round pick to try and get Lawrence? Well, the Jets would have to give up a pick to get Lawrence. Um, do you think they do that? Because we know Joe... I honestly don't know. Yeah, I know Douglas likes his draft picks. I know he's not going to want to. He's not going to want to give up draft capital mm-hmm. because he knows that's he believes that's what it's going to take to rebuild the Jets. Is drafting and the number of picks that they have now. You prepare to give up both your first rounders this year and maybe one next year. I don't know. I sure as hell not. Because at the end of the day, the fallback option is you can go with you can go with Sam, or you could just sit tight and go. You know what? I'm good. I'll take Justin Fields. Now you just have to hope that a team doesn't like the New England Patriots, for example, doesn't shoot up the draft board to take Trevor Lawrence, or maybe even a team like the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I'm by, I'm all by myself. Great, because Clem's got whack ass Wi-Fi, but. Getting back to what I was saying, you cannot, you cannot 
take that risk. At the same time, I don't think that Douglas is going to want to give up all those that draft capital. I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't see it as a possibility. Hey, Clem's back. Say it with me, Clem. Fios. <laughs> Fios. Guys, I hate this internet so much. I hate it. Oh, my God. Verizon Fios, if you're listening, give me free internet, please. We will. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll sponsor you up and down that will promote the shit out of Verizon Fios. Just give me free <laughs> Thanks. But again, I just think it's, it's just one of those situations where it's an interesting conundrum. However, I don't think Lawrence is going to be that type of guy. I don't think Lawrence is going to pull an Eli. I just don't see it. And to be very honest, I, I think it's kind of a shitty move. Because if you want bad teams to get better, they have to draft elite players. Mm-hmm. If those elite players turn around and say, I don't want to play for you, it sends such a shitbox message. It really does. I think it sends such a crap message. You see, this is what I was talking about with the NBA before. You know, I know we're not, I know we're doing a Jet show, but I'm going to segue. I'm just going to just, this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. There are so many teams in the NBA that no one wants to play for. I think you can agree with me on that. Yes. Okay. You think people are dying to go to Memphis? Do you think people are dying, players are dying to go to Minnesota or, you know, uh, Sacramento or Atlanta or Washington? No one wants to go to these crappy teams. Nobody. The worst part about it, Clem, is that the guys that are superstars there right now, mm-hmm. Ja Morant, Trey Young, these guys are just biding their time before they become free agents and they can pick wherever they want to go. Yeah. Because they're sure as shit not going to, unless they get a super max deal, they're not going to go. They're not going to stay in Atlanta if there's no winning, if they're not winning. Yeah. I mean, I think a prime example was, was this past, just this past season was Devin Booker. There was a lot of talks about him. Another guy, Phoenix going, probably going nowhere anytime soon, but you got to make your star player happy because he's going to bolt because he doesn't need, because again, a 22, 23 year old kid is holding the franchise hostage is basically what he's doing. That's why the NBA sucks now. And superstar players are basically like James Hart is saying, I want to go to the Brooklyn Nets, make it happen. I don't want to play in Houston anymore. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's why the NBA kind of sucks. You don't really see that. It's very few and far between with the NFL. Eli was the last person to do it. Before that, it was Elway, and to a lesser extent, it was Jeff George, who you don't really remember. But I don't know. I just don't see Trevor Lawrence doing that. Neither do I. I, I don't Wouldn't think... you want that? If you're the number one overall pick in the draft, you're Trevor Lawrence, you get drafted by the New York Jets, you wouldn't be fired up to try to like turn that franchise into like something good. You know, you are you would be responsible yeah. for turning that franchise around besides Joe Douglas and whoever the head coach is. You would be responsible. Yeah. You are the franchise player. You wouldn't want look, that. Like, you see what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, if people look once like if like the saying is true, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere, you know, and people if you bring a championship to New York City, whether you're the Yankees, the Mets, the Knicks, the Nets, the Islanders, Rangers, 
we saw with the Giants, you know, Eli Manning is a considered a Hall of Famer just because he won two Super Bowls here. And everyone loves Eli Manning, loves him. You know, Jeremy Shockey, too. Jeremy Shockey wasn't on the – didn't really do much with the Giants, but he won the Super Bowl. Everyone loves Jeremy Shockey. Look at Derek Jeter, prime example. Stayed with the stayed with the Yankees his whole career. Won six Super six World Series rings. Everyone loves Derek Jeter. You know, it, it's just the shit that happens here. You know, it's New York. You know, you can win a championship. You bring wins to a franchise here. You're the most beloved man in the world. And if Trevor Lawrence can do that with the New York Jets, by all means, he will be absolutely the most. He he'll be brought. But I think, but, I, but, but I'm I'm dead serious, Clem. I think the next few weeks, the pressure is going to be on the Jets to lose games. It is. It's going to be a lot of pressure on them to lose games. And the thing is, what's it worth to them? I mean, I listened to the athletic, the Can't Wait podcast with Connor Hughes, and he's awesome. Like I know I talk about him a lot. He's awesome. And the funny thing about him is, is like, he says the same thing. He's like, he's like, oh my God, I really thought they were going to win that game. And it's going to be like, oh, there goes Trevor Lawrence right down the toilet. You know, this is the, this is the attitude now, the Jet fan. The Jet fan is completely, the, Sam is, is non-existent now. He's non-existent. Honestly, if you really want to guarantee yourself a losing season or 0-16, just start James Morgan. Just start James Morgan the rest of the year. I wouldn't think they won't, that. but I don't know. Why not? Yeah, I, it's it's just everyone everyone's already seen uh, Trevor Lawrence in, in the green and white. And it's, it's so funny, too, because. But two I, weeks ago, everybody was like ripping the franchise left and right for not doing right by Sam Darnold. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's on the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon to the Jets. Look, and I get it. I get the fact that, you know, we're Jet, we're Sam Darnold defending. I get what you're saying. But again. Like me and Craig have stated time and time again on this show, some of it it has to be on Sam too. It has some of it has to be on Sam. You know, I think people were fed up again with him getting injured again for the fourth with the third year in a row. He's missing. He's missed three plus games three years in a row now. It's 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 despicable. And it's just I don't know. I mean, at this point, it sucks because I would have really wanted to see Sam Darnold be our franchise quarterback. So it was one oh. position we didn't have to worry about, but. The, the timing is also not great because he's going to want a new contract soon. He's got his fifth-year option coming up. The Jets are going to be in a position where they have to pay him. Mm-hmm. Do they want to pay him? Have they seen enough out of Sam Darnold where they sit there and say, yep, that's my guy? No, not where they're picking right now. If they were picking eighth or ninth in the draft, yes, I would give Sam Darnold a new contract. You're picking first or second, you, you can't. You can't justify it. Again, and you never justify Sam Donald over Trevor Lawrence. And I don't think you can justify Sam Donald over Justin Fields. Yeah. But again, whoever the next head coach for the Jets will be will decide Sam Donald's fate. Well, that's all I'm telling you. And I, again, the t- it's working. It just seems like it's so right for it to be Jim Harbaugh. I think it is too. And the more I've been like really looking at it and watching some of these games, I, I don't. I don't want Arthur Smith or Greg Roman as a potential head coach. They will be. They'll be potential head coaches. They'll be in the conversation, but I don't want them as the next OC. As I mean, the, the only thing I worry about with Harbaugh is Harbaugh comes in with a lot of ego. Comes in with a lot of ego. 
is that going to clash with Douglas? See, I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, we don't know. I mean, like, Douglas, and, that, and that's the only th- reason I think Douglas wouldn't hire Jim Harbaugh is because it could. And Douglas, the thing is, the coach needs to be reminded that Douglas is making the personnel decisions, not the coach. Right. The coach can offer input on who he likes. However, it's going to be Douglas's call at the end of the day. Right. Which is why I could see it being a guy in the college ranks. A guy like, like I said before, or like a first year coordinator that's going to become a head coach. You know, Joe Brady. You know, when the Jets hired Eric Mangini one year after he was defensive coordinator for the Patriots, they weren't a bad team. Playoff. I just, they basically, I just think that the players just got tired of Mangini because he was too much of like a Belichick clone. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how to be his own. That's why the Belichick coaching tree fails all the time. Because these guys try to act like Bill Belichick. You have to establish your own persona as your head as a head coach. I could see it being a guy like Matt Campbell. I could see it being a guy like Joe Brady. It's got to be somebody that grows with the team. You give him the same amount of years as Douglas has with the franchise. That's how they grow together. But we'll play this out on future shows because we'll be talking about this endlessly. Um, Before we get out of here, um, I have to comment on this because it just pissed me off last week. And that was Jamal Adams once again running his mouth. I don't know if you saw the comments, but in a nutshell, he said he was depressed being in New York playing for the Jets and that he would go home after every loss And he would sit in the dark or not watch TV or not do anything. And he'd just sit there and stare at the walls. To the point where he went to his dad and his dad went to his agent and his, his, you know, to get him out of New York. Here's the caveat that almost, this is why I call bullshit on Jamal Adams' story. The caveat to the story is he could have dealt with the depression if the Jets gave him a new contract. Yeah, that was being brought up on every on every sports show that I was listening to. Michael K, uh, Carton and Evan. Like, do you have any idea how much of a freaking asshole you sound when you say something like that? Yeah, I was visibly depressed after every loss. Team went seven and nine. Okay, so let's 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 cut the bullshit, Jamal. Okay, team went seven and nine. If you're depressed off a seven and nine season you seriously need psychiatric help. It has nothing to do with the team. It has to do with you because the team, you want to be on a team that goes 16 and up. Okay. You have the nerve. And this is the thing that kind of bothered me is that, you know, there are so many people in this world today that suffer from depression. There are so many people in this world that can't figure out why to get out of bed in the morning. What's the point? Okay. Nothing is going right for them. Sometimes it could be something as God forbid, a death in the family or death of a loved one that makes them, you know, that they just sometimes don't recover from people living with this every day, Clem, they go to see therapists in hopes that they can get better. They take antidepressants in hopes that they get better. 
and they make a fraction of what freaking Jamal Adams makes in a year. Yeah, exactly. And it just right. feels like, so like, what would he be like? Oh, I'm not depressed anymore. I got this big contract. Like, like, do you know how much of a jerk, like you really like a conceited, just a totally absent minded jerk. You really sound like when you say this stuff, like, like I just like, if you wanted to say I was mad after every loss, you know, I didn't want to talk to no one. I was visually mad. All right, fine. I get it. You were mad. A lot of guys get mad after football games. I when I lost games, I was mad too. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was ever I was pissed. To say you're depressed and like, you know what? The only thing that's gonna make me happy is either money or winning or both. You're a fucking idiot. But like think about it. You basically said, I could have dealt with the depression as long as I got paid. Yeah. See if I got paid like my a hundred million dollars, that a hundred million dollars is worth the price of depression. That's basically what he was saying in not too many words. Basically. And again, notice how these interviews always come out when he's playing like shit, when he's getting hurt, when he's not the focal point of the Seattle Seahawks and he knows it and he can't deal with it. Okay. I mean, look, you can ridicule the Jets all you want for the season they're having. The one smart move they made was getting rid of Jamal Adams. Because it's not even about him being a cancer anymore. He is a media whore. Mm -hmm. That's what he is. And every time he's not playing well, every time the Seahawks are losing games, he deflects back to New York and he starts talking about New York again. His time with the Jets. And that's the thing that's so sad about him. The Jets have moved on. They've moved on from Jamal Adams. Nobody talks about him here anymore. Nobody cares about Jamal Adams in New York anymore. And he and they're living rent-free in his head mm -hmm. because he can't stop talking about them. He has to remind the world of how horrible it was playing in New York and how they don't want to win and they don't want to do this and they don't want to do that. And with all due respect, it wasn't like Jamal Adams was really contributing to the winning. It wasn't like Jamal Adams was being the leader of the defense that we were hoping to have. Yeah. It's just like, I was very dumbfounded. And the thing is like, again, it's one thing to just like, you want to be upset about your time in New York and about how you felt like your career was wasted. Okay. You know, to me, I think it's all smoke and mirrors and bullshit. But for you to equate it to something that people deal with every day, people deal with it and they try to figure out a way to get out of bed in the morning sometimes. Mm -hmm. They figure out a way to just, they ask themselves, why is my life worth living? People reverting to suicide, you know, so, you know God forbid, of course. Mm -hmm. To try to calm, they can't fight it anymore. So they... You know, they, they have no, you know, they just, this, they feel that this is the way to, to end it, to end their depression is by killing themselves. That's a slap in the face to those people that are trying so hard to overcome that. It's so difficult for those people every day. And this fucking asshole comes out and says, he's like, yeah, I was so depressed after a game. You went seven and nine. You won six of your last eight games. 
You cannot sit there and possibly tell me that your life in New York was that terrible. Yeah. It's, he's just such an idiot, man. It's... But again, Clem, I've said it a million times. He's another Terrell Owens. He's another Antonio Brown. He's another, you know, Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, whatever you want to call him. That's what he is. He's a media whore. He's a malcontent. He's never happy. He's never happy. It doesn't matter where he's playing. He's playing for the best coach he's had in his career, and he's fucking drawing with the guy on the sideline because they're losing to Buffalo and they're giving up, they're getting shredded by Buffalo. And he's yapping at Carroll on the sideline. The guy's a disaster. He's a disaster. He's an emotional mess. He's an emotional wreck right now. It's like, you finally got what you wanted. You wanted out of New York. You got the trade you wanted. You got it to the team you wanted to go to. So you should be probably kissing Joe Douglas's ass for trading you there. Okay. And you're still not happy. The team is in first place right now, pending the game of tonight. And you're still not happy. You still got to go on about the Jets. You still can't get away from it. You can't let it go. I mean, what does that tell you about the guy? He's a freaking idiot. The guy's got some serious emotional issues. He needs help. Like, he seriously has some problems. I mean, you're visibly depressed. But you could have dealt with it if you got your money. Like, you know how fucking stupid you sound when you say something like that? Fucking idiot. It's like... What were they saying about him on the radio? Because I didn't really hear it. I didn't hear a lot of people's responses. They, they were saying the same shit. Like, Michael K was just like, so you mean to tell me that, like, the money would have helped you? And Carton and Roberts have said the same thing, too. They were like, you mean to tell me, like, oh, you know, it, it, like you were depressed. Okay, maybe you were depressed after games. But you were demanding this money. So if the Jets gave you this money in this con- these contracts, it would have been magically better? Everyone was saying the same shit. It's like, this guy's fucking nuts. I'm telling you, man, like, criticize the Jets all you want for this year. Ridicule them for all you want this year. The best move they made so far was trading that guy for picks. I remember last year when Mike Francesa was ripping him to shreds. Mm-hmm. When, the, when the Jets were reportedly shopping Jamal Adams and he threw a temper tantrum about that, too saying like, you don't trade guys like me, you know, I'm like Tom Brady or Aaron Donald. And, you know, and the thing is like, Joe Douglas is basically like, we weren't, listen, I don't know who to believe and I don't really care. If I get a deal, the one I got for Jamal Adams this off season last year, I would have definitely taken that deal. Right. Then you hear stories about how he was trying to convince Dallas Cowboy players to trade, get Jerry Jones to trade for him and all that stuff. See what I fucking mean with the guy? Mm -hmm. Like, he's never happy. He's just, he's a disaster. And the thing is, he's having a shitty season. Yeah, he's got some sacks. Big whoop. That's not why you you traded for him. You traded for him to cover receivers, and he can't even do that. I mean, like, what an unbelievable, he's, that guy is just a disgrace. Like, it's unbelievable unbelievable like how you can equate a seven and nine season in new york 
to being depressed and you, you know, you had to sit with the lights off and you couldn't, you know, and everything. And it was just, it was so damaging to your psyche to go seven and nine. You won six of your last eight. I'm sure that was damaging. I mean, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's like awful. wow. Awful. I mean, the guy is just an unbelievable piece of shit. Like, unbelievable piece of shit. Like, I couldn't be more happy that he's gone. And can you imagine the, uh, well, highly unlikely. Can you imagine if the fucking Jets beat them? Oh, my God. Like I can't imagine if that one win comes against Seattle, I would be glad to sacrifice Trevor Lawrence if it means Jamal Adams looks like a fucking tool. Like I was just thinking about that too. I was like, I kind of wish Le'Veon was still on the team because he, I know, I know for a fact Le'Veon would have ran it down their throats. That guy is a disaster. He's a disaster. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you right now, his time in Seattle is not going to end well. It's not. No. And Pete's very fun to see that shit. Drawing with a Super Bowl winning coach. Now he's babbling on again about New York on a podcast. Well, if you're the Seahawks teammates, what are you thinking? That's a moron. You see this. Like, like, what do you give a shit about New York? You're in fucking you're you're on a winning team in Seattle. What do you care about what they're doing? Like, why do you why do you keep talking about this? Yeah. I, I wow. <laughs> that's about all I can that's all I can really say it's just like what an unbelievable piece of shit like that that's it like I said I will gladly sacrifice Trevor Lawrence if it gets me a win over Jamal Adams and and honestly when Jamal Adams came to shake my hand I give him the finger <laughs> because you're bad mouthing the team that I'm playing for you're going on and on about the team I play for the city I play for because you didn't, you know, you apparently you feel like you didn't have it good there. I mean, that's the type of shit you got to be careful about because you don't know if that rubs Seahawk players the wrong way. Seahawk players are like, what the hell is he doing? Why, what would, you know, why is he so hell bent on this? We're freaking seven and three, and this asshole's going on and on about the fucking Jets. One final note. On the, you know, everybody made such a big deal about the Kalen Bellage revenge game. Yeah, 18 carries for 44 yards. Thanks for playing, Kalen. <laughs> These are the types of things. When a guy rushes for 60 yards in a game against his former team, that's not a fucking revenge game. Okay? It is a guy who played okay against his former team. Everybody went crazy about Kalen Balaj for the last two weeks. And he was playing well. I wasn't saying he's not. But the Jet fan didn't want anything to do with Kalen Balaj. Remember? Remember when Joe Douglas traded for him at the beginning of the season? Everybody was like, oh, why do we give him a conditional six-round pick? Oh, typical gaze and everything. And the guy's on the team and everybody's complaining. 18 carries for 44 yards. That's what he had in that game. So in other words, he was a non-factor. That's what you call a non-factor. Anything else before we call it a day? No, I, uh, that's it. I mean, we ex we expressed it, uh, all the things we could possibly talk about with the Jets. We, I honestly look, we could probably keep talking, but I mean, we're just gonna. I think my current computer is gonna blow up. Yeah. If you're talking about it. 
go get a new computer. Black Friday sales this week. I'm sure there's be a lot of good stuff on sale. Yeah, I know. I, gotta get it. I still got to try and fix my old laptop. <laughs> Take it to the Geek Squad, man. Uh, Geek Squad. I don't know if Geek Squad can fix it. I got the stuff to fix it. I just got to, you know, actually sit down and do it. <laughs> All right, listen, everyone, that's going to do it for the Moffat on the Mic show for this Monday night. Clem, thank you for holding it down like you normally do. You can follow the show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter. I'm, and I'm not on Twitter anymore. I got tired of it. And, uh, but I am on Facebook. You can like, uh, like my show page, Moffat on the Mic. And you can follow Clem on the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. As for Clem, I am Craig. This has been the Moffat on the Mic show. We'll be back next week. Uh, not sure what day yet because... Holiday shopping season is in, which means I'm working late. <laughs> so we'll have to figure out a time on when to do a show, but we'll definitely post stuff. Clint will post it on the A1 Network pages for everybody to check out. And uh, everybody, wherever you are, stay safe. Wear your masks. It's getting worse out there, obviously, with the pandemic. Just stay safe. Have a happy Thanksgiving wherever you're. Clem, any big plans this year? Roast the, uh, deep frying the turkey again. That's all I can say. Oh, dude, that's the best. But, oh my God, we did it for the first. I've been begging for years for my parents to. We got, we got deep fried. Oh my God, it's so fucking good, Clem. We did it last year. It, it was the best turkey we've ever fucking had in my yeah, life. Because it, it's just like nothing but fat and like it's, and that's the, the juiciest part of it. Moist. The turkey was moist. It was juicy. I'm like, oh. I was it, only like takes like, it only takes like 20 minutes, like 20, 30 minutes. I looked at my dad. I was like, we're never going back to regular turkey. After this, we're deep frying every fucking turkey from here on out. <laughs> My friend Larry, he's a he's a Jets season ticket holder. Whenever the Jets were home for a Thanksgiving game, he always deep fried a turkey in the parking lot. It was always. So it, was it was so good. good. So good. We don't do it here, but like, cause this year actually it was just going to be my wife and the kids. It's not going to. We're not. We're not doing a big Thanksgiving. We're just kind of. We're just going to keep it to us, cause my in laws don't really feel comfortable. And uh, my brother-in-law's wife is pregnant, so they're not, they don't want to do it. Okay. They would prefer, and I mean, listen, you got to stay safe at this time. You can't, you can't take any unnecessary risks. So it's just going to be the four of us. We're just going to get like, we're not having like a huge turkey because it's just the four of us. But, um, you know, under these times, 2020 is a wash. 2021 will be better. Yes. So you just take what it is. Well, enjoy the deep fried turkey. Well, enjoy you. Thursday football. Enjoy the Macy's parade if you intend to watch it. And uh, if, if you wake up for are you working on Thanksgiving or no? I don't know yet. I really don't know yet. But I I wouldn't mind. My mom, my mom got all offended when I told her that. She was like, oh, Chris, are you working Thanksgiving? I was like, I don't know. But if they asked me to, I probably will. And she's like, oh, you don't want to be with family? I was like, no, that's not the reason. I want to make some money. That's, that's Well, not- so I, listen, it also looks good. Yeah. It also always looks good to your employer if you're willing to sacrifice a holiday. Yeah. You know, like I've been doing a lot of Saturday overtime mm-hmm. and, you know, listen, by Friday night, I'm just beat. But at the same time, it's like, I can't pass up OT and it always, I always feel like it looks good for the employer, you know, to the employer, if you're willing to make to work every chance they ask you. So that's always like a good thing. So if they do ask you, you should definitely consider it. I would understand if you didn't, but Things like that always look good for you, especially because you just started. Yeah. So any little thing like that can definitely help. Well, listen, man, have a great Thanksgiving. Have a happy and healthy. My best to the family, to the, the Klimazuski clan. You too as well. All right. 
and uh, we'll try to set up a show next week. Everybody, again, stay safe. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. We will talk again next week. See you later, everybody.